Okay, do grab yourselves a seat. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you. Um, if the youngsters would like to come down the front to get a better look, you're very welcome to. Thanks so much, Dave. You can be my muscle this morning. Um, and if you could keep Psalm 124 open in front of you, if you've closed it, if you want to reopen it, that would be really helpful. Uh, it's page 517. Uh, good morning. Well, our psalm this morning, it invites us to ask a kind of what-if question. I wonder if you're a what-if sort of person. Uh, the sort of person who, who looks back on a past event and just wonders, oh, what if it had gone a bit differently? Um, you could be looking back on something with regret. So if I'm driving, uh, I tend to bop along to a popular radio station. And, and on that radio station, they have a show uh, called Show Me the Money, a phone-in show. You might have heard it. Now, people call in. They answer a really easy question, then they get offered a fixed amount of money. You might be offered 5,000 pounds. It's a lot of money. And the person says, well, look, you can keep the 5,000 pounds, or you can shout, show me the money. And you might be offered 20,000 pounds, or you might be offered 500. It's a lot less. What are you going to do? Now, I have lost count of the number of times I have heard the groan at the other end of the radio as the person shouts out, show me the money, and the robotic voice calls back, 500 pounds. And as a, as a radio listener, you're just thinking, no, you are going to literally regret that decision for the rest of your life. You've just lost four and a half thousand pounds. What if you'd just taken the money? But not every decision is like that. You might, you might look back on a decision and be really pleased about it. So um, back in London, I used to play for a very, very modest, very casual football team on a Saturday. And one week they said to me, do you want to play this Saturday? And I said, no, I'd quite like to come and spend Saturday with my family. So we went off and we had a very nice day out in London. It was a lovely day. What if I'd said yes to playing that day? And I, David Mills, I could have spent my Saturday afternoon playing for the Barnet Ulminchenians fourths as they lost 30 nil away in the rain. <laughs> That's the sort of decision you look back on and you think, I'm really, really glad I said, I said no to that. <laughs> but more seriously, though, there were so many of these things. Someone reminded me this week of um, back in 2013 in Vauxhall in London. There was this incident where a, um, a helicopter really sadly crashed into a crane, tragically killing two people. But the guy who was meant to be in the cab of the crane when the accident happened, he, he slept in that morning. And he wasn't in the cab when the accident happened, so he survived. What if he'd just got up and gone to work like he normally did? There's probably lots of areas in life where we can look at a sort of what if with relief. What if there was no NHS to help us when we were sick? Um, what if um, the teacher at school didn't help us when we were bullied, when someone was giving us a hard time? What if, what if they weren't there to, to help us? What if that food bank wasn't there that week, I couldn't feed my family and I, needed, I desperately needed the help? When these things are provided, we look back and we think, what if they weren't there? I'm so glad they were. Um, what about in uh, sort of superhero land? Um, what if, you know, Superman... One day he gets up, he just can't be bothered to put on his cape and go and save Metropolis. What happens? Well, Lex Luthor here, 
with his various anonymous henchmen. What are they going to do? They're going to come and they're going to destroy Metropolis because that's what they like to do for some reason. We don't know why, but they like to do that. Thank goodness for Superman. What if he wasn't there? We're really glad when he is. Now, Psalm 124 this morning, it invites us to ask a kind of what-if question about God. What if God were not there? What if God were not on our side? What would our lives look like? And the psalm is particularly concerned with those times in our life when life is really hard, and it might be really hard to see God in the circumstances of our life at that time. But the psalmist causes us to ask, what if the Lord had not been on our side in those really difficult times? Who would we have gone to for help? Who would we have cried out to for hope when times were really difficult? And he says, blessed be the Lord who didn't leave us, who remained at our side even when it was really difficult. So this short psalm, it just causes us to consider, what if our lives didn't have God in them? And it might make us look afresh this morning with gratitude for all the times God has been with us, even when life has been really hard. Now, um, verse 1 of the psalm, David begins, he said, "Um, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then he says, let Israel now say, or we might say, let the church now say, and it's like the whole group joins in together, and they say, if the Lord had not been on our side, they would have swallowed us up alive. Now, who is the they? I might need a helper here. Uh, would one someone someone tell me? Yes, it is. Is it Tim? Thomas, Thomas, come on up. It's, I'm really sorry. It's going to take me a while to get to everyone's in. Thomas, welcome. I'm, I'm going to need you to put on these, uh, these things here. So we've got a helmet for you. We're going to try and work out who the they is. So we've got a, got a sword. Oh, do you want to put up some armor as well? And step right forward so everyone can see you here. There we go. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah there we go. Good, good, very good. Oh, sorry. I've got you all tangled. Our soldier just needs a minute. There we go. And a shield as well. Okay, and just step right forward, right up here, right up here with me. There we go. There we go. This is, this is probably what David has in mind. The kind of enemy, the battle line, the ferocious warrior coming up against him. Can you look ferocious for me, Thomas? Wonderful. <laughs> that was better than I expected. That was brilliant. That's brilliant. So that's probably, that's probably what he has in mind. Um, he might have in, ta- in mind a particular episode David, earlier in his life, when he faces a particularly fierce, very tall individual, a Philistine called Goliath. Now, are there any tall adults in the congregation who maybe one of you wants to come and volunteer and can be my Goliath? I can see... (laughs) Come forward, sir. Come forward, sir. (laughs) Would you like to... Remind remind me of your name. You're Dave. Hello. Dave, oh, it's great, isn't it, when you meet another Dave? I said this to someone else. There's Dave here earlier. There's lots of Daves. That makes it easier. So we've got a Goliath here. Okay. Thomas, and we've got Goliath. Excellent. Now, um, Thomas, I'm actually going to need to borrow these things off you. So can I borrow this helmet? Thank you. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to dress Goliath up. Here we go. And I'll explain. Oh, yeah, I know. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to give you something in return. You're not, you're not going to be left. 
you're not going to be left completely unarmed. Let's just go for the sword, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the arm is a little bit tricky, isn't it? No, okay, don't worry. Don't worry, Thomas. I'm going to compensate you. You get a sheep. There you go. Okay, you, you, just, you just look after that sheep for me there, okay? Okay. So, we had the Israelites. So, we had the Israelites, and we have the Philistines. They don't like each other very much. They have lots of battles. And one day, they're facing up against each other. And the Philistines, they say, this is our champion, Goliath. He's a particularly tall and muscular man, not the sort of guy you want to mess with. And they say, look, Israel, bring a man forwards and fight our champion, Goliath. And if you can beat Goliath, you win and we'll be your slaves. But if Goliath beats your champion, then we win and you're going to be our slaves. That's what they say. So Israel, they send forward their champion, a rather short shepherd boy called David. Now, David didn't really, he wasn't armed with a sheep. He had a slingshot and he had some stones. Um, now, what does Goliath say? He comes forward to the battle line and he says, here we go. He says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Grr. Can you give me a girl? <laughs> okay, well, try again, try again. There we go, that's it, that's it, that's it. Okay, now David, he looks at Goliath and he says, Goliath, you're coming at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I, I come in the name of the Lord. Now, humanly speaking, look, David has no chance. Goliath is tall, he's muscular, he's got all the armor. David has a slingshot and some stones, but... The Lord preserves his life. When the battle commences, David, he grabs his slingshot and he whacks Goliath right between the eyes and the giant falls down dead. <laughs> Can't be typical. What, what, if, what if the Lord had not been on David's side that day? Thank you very much, guys. You can grab a seat. Thank you. Thank you. You've been very good sport. Hey, buddy. Do you want to grab a seat? This is my son, Joshua. Joshua, why don't you go sit down? <laughs> I know. Okay. Why don't you take a bit of armor? Yeah, go on. You take that sword back with you. No, just the sword. Just the sword. There you go. There you go. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, this episode, this episode, it is something of a paradigm for David's life. He's, he's frequently fighting. He's frequently suffering. He tragically fails on a number of occasions. But the Lord preserves his life. I mean, the psalm... It might also reflect on other episodes that David can remember. He might think back to the time where Israel are fleeing Egypt from the tyrant Pharaoh when they're coming out of slavery. And they're running from Egypt, and they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and suddenly they're stuck. They have nowhere to go. And they look behind them, and Pharaoh's coming with his army, and the chariots, and the swords. What are they going to do? They've got water in front of them and a sword behind them. They've got nowhere to go. They've got no chance. Except God parts the Red Sea right before them. A little bit like the aisle here just makes a way and they pass right through the middle just before the waters come down, destroying Pharaoh and his army. What if the Lord had not been on Israel's side that day? 
I mean, these are just a couple of the more well-known instances in Israel's history. This kind of thing happens time and time again. And the common theme is that if God were not for his people, they would have been swallowed alive by their enemies. Their enemies are consistently stronger. And we might rightly ask, but who are our enemies today? Israel, he's picturing the sword and the shield and the helmet, kind of Goliath style. But here in Benwell, our enemies, they take on a different form. They're no less real and they're no less frightening. Our enemy is anything that would take us away from the Lord. It could be anyone. It could be anything. It could even be ourselves. Consider, first of all, the enemy of sin. We might feel devastated as we continually struggle to live the way God says that we should. We want to be really kind to people, but we just really struggle to get along with that person we don't like very much. Or it might be that we want to be really generous with all the good things God's given us, but we just, we just want to keep our things to ourselves. We don't, want to, we don't want to share with other people. We don't want to give, even though we know we should. Or consider the enemy of evil. We might experience real pain at the hands of people around us in the world. It might be a friend makes fun of us at school, or it might be in the workplace, you're treated badly for being a Christian, or it might be violence or neglect in the home or elsewhere. The world is full of evil and pain and suffering, and we'll all know it in different ways. Or consider the enemy of death, which we've spoken about this morning. At some point in our lives, we will all come face to face with the pain of losing a loved one. And our psalm makes us ask, what if the Lord had not been on our side when we faced all these enemies, sin, death, evil? On their own, they are too strong for us. They would have swept us away. Have a look at the language the psalmist uses to describe our enemies. It is a picture of wildfires, raging tsunamis, vicious predators. If you've got your Bible open, just have a look at verse 3. They would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. This is a picture of anger visualized as a consuming fire destroying all in its path. If you've seen the news over the last couple of weeks, look at Hawaii, the kind of destruction that's happened in the various wildfires around the world, those kind of charred remains. That's the picture of the enemy anger coming against God's people. And then verse 4 and 5, this flood imagery. The flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Over us would have gone the raging waters. This is a picture of enemy advance like a battle line, like something like a tsunami coming against the church, destroying everything in its path and leaving nothing behind. We would have had no chance on our own. The psalmist is using picture language to describe our enemies. This is what 
death, evil, sin. This is what they would do to us if the Lord were not on our side. But, David says, but, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. God gave us his son, Jesus. Sacrificed on a cross to disarm the enemies of sin, death, and evil. It doesn't mean that we don't experience the pain of them, but they cannot overwhelm us. We, we are not left to deal with them on our own. David still had enemies rising up against him. If you read David's life, they just come again and again and again. But because the Lord is on his side, they didn't sweep him away. It doesn't mean he didn't suffer. Now, consider sin. We all still sin. We all still sin. But because Jesus has paid the price for us, we don't need to shrink away from God, fearing judgment and condemnation. He's paid the price. He's made away for us. Sin does not consume us. Or consider evil. We all still experience evil in the world. But God's given us a great hope. He's given us an eternal hope. He speaks of a new heavens and a new earth where every tear will be wiped away. And no amount of evil in this world can take that away from us, that great hope that he's given us for the future, where we will be at peace with God forever. That is a wonderful truth we can cling on to. And then consider death. We all still mourn the loss of loved ones, but we do not mourn the death of a Christian without hope. The Lord is on our side, and he has promised new life to all those who would trust in Christ and turn to him. And in our grief, as we grieve a loss, uh, the loss of a loved one, we're not on our own. God is with us. He hears our prayers. What if we had no one to turn to in our grief? Blessed be the Lord who hears our prayers of distress. We don't have to come before God with sanitized prayers. We can come to God and be real with how we feel. There are two things um, King David would have the church do from the psalm this morning. First, he would have us bless the Lord. It is the Lord who has brought us this far. He's the reason we're here today in this room. Bless the Lord. He has brought us through all the trials of life. And secondly, he would have us turn to the Lord for help now and in the future. He is your help today. He truly is your help today. And he is your help for the rest of your life. The, the final lines of the psalm, the final line, the final line of the psalm, verse 8 it's like David just reaches down to us in our suffering and just raises our chin and points us up beyond the world to the one who made the world. Our help is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. That is the ground and the basis for the hope we have in the Lord. Because for all the fire and the flood of adversity that the church really will face in this world, we have the privilege of putting our hope in the one who made the world and who is completely in control of the world, however hard we find that to understand. 
and one day, the one who will put all the wrongs in this world right. We hope in the one who can actually give us hope because he created the heavens and the earth. And if you're here looking into Christianity this morning, if you're looking into Christian things, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you're here listening to this this morning. You, like the rest of us here, you are no stranger to suffering, you are no stranger to pain in this world. And the question is, where do you look to for hope? Where do you look to for help? The Christian looks to the Lord, for they can look nowhere else. He is the one who can give us help. He is the one who can give us hope. The one who made the heavens and the earth. And I invite you to turn to him, rest in him, find help in him, put your trust in him. Blessed be the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who is on our side, who has given us help in times of trouble, and I exhort us to turn afresh to him today and find your help in him. Please allow me to pray for us as I close. Lord God, we humbly confess that without you, we would not have made it this far. Our enemy is too strong for us. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to the teeth of sin and evil and death. We know these enemies well, Lord. They are too strong for us alone. But you have never left us. Help us to turn to you for help. Knowing that you are always with us, you have never left us. You are faithful, and we praise your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray.